Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I'm interviewing Jordan, who has her bachelor's in exercise science, master's in nutrition, and is a certified personal trainer. She also does the follow-along exercise videos on the Bob and Brad channel. And today we are talking about getting back on track after the holidays. So without further ado, here's Jordan. All right. Welcome back to the program, Jordan. Hey, thanks, Mike. I'd say 10 time guest, but I lost count. I don't think it's 10 yet. I don't think 10, maybe five, but. All right. Today we're getting, talking about getting back on track after the holidays. So my first question for you are, what are your top tips for someone looking to get back on track after the holidays? Yeah. Simply put, that's a good way to start it. Um, Pretty seasonally appropriate, I think, to talk about this because, well, my my full-time job is in the gym world. Um, and it goes without saying that this is kind of tis the season for making changes. I think a lot of that stems from, you know, we, we go through all the holidays and we have a lot of social gatherings, a lot of stuff going on, and we just indulge in a lot more than we care to. And I think we're all looking for like a reset. What can we do? So, um, a couple I guess there's so many, so many different avenues I could go down when you asked me this, but some of my top tips that I would go with, well, first of all, get your nutrition back in check. I would put that right, right up there at the top. Um, Cause that tends to be the thing that falls off the most around the holiday times. Cause we just eat more sugar and junk and things that we don't normally eat. So getting your nutrition in check, um, get moving, get off your butt, um, maybe start an exercise program or simply just move more. Um, actually, and my third tip was walk more, but I guess that kind of incorporates into that, but beyond just for, um, finding some sort of exercise routine you could follow super important to just move your body. So get up and walk. Um, next tip would be stay hydrated. So get your water consumption, um, up and I'm going to talk a little bit more about water later. Um, so we'll just keep it simple with that. Um, cut out the sugar that kind of goes with my first tip, but, um, I wanted to put this in a category in and of itself because this tends to be kind of the pitfall on the holidays is sugar consumption going way up. And sometimes when that happens, we have a really hard time bringing it back down. So trying to cut out the sugar, especially those sugar sweetened beverages, um, prioritizing sleep, we kind of forget sometimes we talk all about food and fitness and all that when it comes to getting healthier, but we fail to realize, um, the importance of sleep. So aiming to get your seven, eight, nine hours of sleep each night and then finding ways to decrease your stress level. I think those would be my top things to help, um, get you back on track and focus on. If you have anything to add, please, by all means. I think those are all good tips. I think people just kind of get in a slump, uh, especially if you're in winter conditions like we are in during winter. You don't want to move as much and you get eating bad and then you get in a rut and you kind of have to get out of the rut. I feel like most people know what they need to do, but they just don't start doing it. Right. I would agree with that. Which is a mindset thing, which we'll talk about later as well, because that's another question. Yes, this is meant to just kind of be a overview get people thinking about some different things that they could change right so if someone's gotten a little out of control with sugar consumption as you were saying earlier i'm not saying you did it but you were talking about it what would be for some tips for people to get back on track and gain control over their blood sugars again 
Well, Mike, I will tell you, I am a human being and I too also like Christmas cookies. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to put this persona out there that I don't know what this feels like. Cause I do, um, I tend to get to this time of year and feel like I just need a little, little overhaul too. Um, cause I tend to fall into the same traps any other person does around the holidays. But, um, when it comes to blood sugar, this is, um, a very common problem people, people go through, um, when we are we get into those cycles of sugar, 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 sugar. It's really hard to get out of it because it's really addicting. Um, so we're, I mean, we're faced with endless amounts of it this time of year and it still can kind of creep over. If you work in an office setting, there's probably people bringing in all their leftover junk and putting it in front of you. Uh, you might still have some family gatherings that come about. So big thing is to help you focus on balancing your blood sugar. One of the top tips I have for that is focus on balance at your meals and snacks. So I'm a big proponent. Um, we actually had this on the podcast, a whole podcast on like eating meals to balance your blood sugar, but I'll try to just give a really easy recap and overview. Big thing is balancing out your meals. So every time you go to eat, whether it be a full-blown meal or a snack, making sure that you have a good healthy fat um, and a good quality protein um, along with your carbohydrates. So to make this more practical, um, if instead of grabbing like just an apple for a snack, an apple is a carbohydrate, right? So what that does in your body, you go to eat the apple, it spikes your blood sugar, which then leads to a crash in your blood sugar, which makes you want more sugar. Oh. Yeah. So my example for this would be like, have a handful of almonds with your apple. You're going to get a dose of healthy fats and some protein with that, which slows down the digestion of your apple in this example, which just helps keep your blood sugar levels more normalized. So my biggest, simplest tip for balancing blood sugar levels is balancing your meals. So not eating carbohydrates all on their own and really prioritizing um, healthy fats, specifically um, avocados, any kind of nut that you like, olive oil, coconut oil, um, grass-fed butter, and then again, quality proteins. That makes sense? Yeah. I would say, yeah, getting your blood sugars back in control. The last time I did this, which was quite a while ago, uh, me, because I eat keto, so my blood sugars are always stable. The, right. The last time I had crappy food, the next day, I don't drink anymore, but I felt like I was hungover. <laughs> It was that bad. And that night I had sugar cravings again and I just kind of had to keep myself occupied. I, a lot of times if I get sugar cravings, I just need something in my mouth. So I will just chew some sugar-free gum yeah. and that works for me. I mean, once I got a couple days over it, I was fine. But yeah, my blood sugars had gone up that night and yeah, I felt terrible. The next and this day. was from what, one day of eating crappy? Yeah, yeah. Right. So imagine people doing this for months or years on end, how hard it is to get out of that cycle. Yeah, it gets into this cycle. So for me, it's just like this year, like I just stay away from it. It's just easier that way. I just (laughs) I don't like that feeling the next day. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that the trouble is to if people are eating you know, the high sugary, high carbohydrate diets all the time, they maybe don't even understand like how bad they feel. to, and so to get out of that cycle, it can be tough, but that's why instead of focusing on like, Hey, I'm going to cut all this stuff out. My better, I guess, better tip in my mind is just 
focus on balancing out your meals. And then as a unintended consequence, I think it's going to get easier to say no to the sugary stuff because you're not going to have the cravings as much. Yeah. Once you get in a cycle of eating healthy, whatever version that is for you as an individual, it's easier to stick with it Mm -hmm. than it's harder to start than to stick with it, in my opinion. But I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next question. What's a good strategy for someone struggling with self-control when it comes to diet and nutrition? So first of all, don't rely on self-control because we are as humans, very bad at that. Um, So what I, my, this is personal opinion. Now this is not like facts coming out of a textbook. So I'm here to share with you what I find works for myself, but also with the, large number of clientele that I work with, what works for them as well. Uh, get it out of the house. Just that's such a simple answer, but don't have it there. Um, as far as self-control when it comes to diet or diet and nutrition specifically. So we're only human. We can't solely rely on our self-control as a method to not eat the food. So if you know that you struggle with like salty cravings at night, like don't have the bag of chips in the house, right? Because most of the time when those cravings come up, at least this is what I find, like it's at night after the day has slowed down, you have more time to sit and be bored and think. Um, Most of the time at night though, you're cozied in, like you're not going to go out of your way and go to the grocery store and buy the bag of chips. However, if it's in your pantry, you're probably going to eat it, right? Right. That's what I, that's what I find anyways, is my biggest tip to help myself stay under control with food is I don't have, again, I said, I'm, I'm only human too. So I understand the struggles people can have with this. Um, but I just don't keep the stuff in my house. I keep the stuff in my house that I want to fuel my body with. And then, I mean, I like cookies. I like ice cream a lot. I love chips and salsa. I, you know, I love all those foods, but so if I have them there, I am absolutely going to eat them, um, especially at nighttime after my child goes to sleep and I'm relaxing and watching Netflix. Like the chips and salsa sound pretty darn good. However, I am certainly not going to go get in my car, start it up and drive to the grocery store. So just keep it out of your house. Yeah, I would say not having it there. And then if you have it there, like back in the day, if I'd have ice cream, I I never would buy like a container of ice cream. I would just buy a small pint because then it's like, you can't have any more. It's gone. Right. And now I just, I have alternatives. So like, because I know I used to like ice cream a lot. I have Greek yogurt, with protein powder and berries in it. Cause it's sweet and it's not like ice cream, but my palate has changed so much. Like it's just something different to eat. And so I don't crave anything else. That that's a really good tip too, as far as the self-control. So not just about, living in this state of self self deprivation the entire time, but having those healthier alternatives, um, you know, for myself, I love chips and salsa. So instead I could maybe find a better option than like a corn tortilla chip fried in processed seed oils, um, which I do have, um, around my house, some Siete chips and salsa, do me in just fine, you know, things, things of that nature, rather than thinking, you know, depriving yourself of everything that is good in life. Um, having those healthy alternatives, um, that's a good, good strategy as well. 
Yeah, I like to have... When I was a kid, I used to eat a lot of snacks and junk food. So I like to... Uh, believe it or not, people that didn't know me, I was quite overweight when I was a child for a long time. So I, I know what it's like. But I, um, oftentimes after dinner, I buy these little like ketogenic-friendly peanut butter cups. Okay. They're like single size. They're just like 80 calories. And they're, they don't affect my blood sugar negatively. And that's just what I have. And it just works for me. Like it's something sweet and subtle. and One and done. Yeah, I don't need it. They're individually wrapped. Well, that's perfect. And because they're, you know, healthier, they're more expensive. So I don't feel like <laughs> eating a bunch of them because they're pricey. So for me, it's just like, oh, I just have this. I mean, if people eat other foods, I mean, you can just buy like dark chocolate or anything else, but something right. you like. I mean, you could have berries too or fruit if you eat carbs and stuff. So, yes. For me, that's just what works. It's like something subtly sweet after dinner, just. And then it kind of does for me, I find too, cause I'm, I'm a like have a square dark chocolate after dinner kind of gal. Um, I find then like, I feel done. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I can go brush my teeth and be done for the night. It feels more complete, I guess. So yeah. Um, and eat it after you eat a meal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't eat sweets as a meal. That doesn't work. No, I'm not quite. <laughs> <sweet>. no. <laughs> okay. Next question. So you talked about fasting a little bit as a strategy to get back on track. Can you expand more on this? I did. You know, I might've forgot to actually mention that in my first list, but I meant to, maybe I did. I don't remember, but, um, yeah. So fasting, this is another podcast we actually did Mike. but, um, fasting is a great, I'm going to give a quick overview of it today for our listeners who didn't maybe catch that podcast. Um, this is a really great, um, extra tip for getting people back on track as well. So, uh, fasting just simply in the terms that I'm going to describe it, it I'm going to define it as eating in a compressed window of time, essentially. Um, I'll explain a little bit more of what that means. So for example, like say your last meal of the day, um, yesterday was at 6 PM and then you didn't eat breakfast until we'll say eight o'clock. You just completed a 14. Did I do my math right? 14 hour fast. Yes. Right? Can you? I didn't me? hear your initial time, so 6 I'll just PM agree with to you. eight. That's fourteen hours. Okay, I'm going to just say it confidently. Yes, so yes it's fourteen. Hours. You just completed a fourteen-hour overnight fast, um, which basically just gives your body a break from constantly digesting food. So this can be a great weight loss strategy for individuals who need that. Uh, they've even studied it for just immune um, boosting benefits. Um, brain health is another big one. Helps with your sleep as well when you're not like eating this big, huge meal and then going to sleep um, on that. So uh, my big tip with, with fasting is just start somewhere. Um, even if it's a 12 hour overnight fast, like try to avoid the like late night snacking, wake up, eat the first thing when you wake up. So I'm talking, it can be as simple as you get done with dinner at six at night. You try to avoid the, the late night snacking and maybe you don't eat again the next day until six or seven. I mean, that's the bare minimum. I think 12 hours is from what, at least from what I've seen in research is kind of, you might not get some like, massive, amazing, beautiful, like health benefits from it, but it's at least the bare minimum. I think that most all of us could benefit from. And then from there, you can kind of play around with increasing that. Um, I think kind of the gold standard, um, is a 16 hour overnight fast from what a lot of research studies. Yeah. I know you do a lot with fasting, just with being on the keto diet. So maybe you have a little bit to weigh in here, but 
Uh, they say at, at least 12 hours is good. Uh, yeah. You will see some benefits. 16 or 14 is more optimal. I don't really focus on it. I just happens. Like I eat normally around 10 or 11 because I work from home in the morning. And then yeah. I might eat dinner at five or six. And then if I'm hungry later, I might have a snack at eight. But I mean, I didn't eat till 10 or 11 in the morning. So right. technically I'm still fasting. I think it's beneficial for people that are really bad at planning out meals or people that graze all day long because it makes you be more concise in what you're going to eat and you're probably going to eat something real and satisfying and satiating versus just nibbling on stuff all day and eating right. excessively amount of junk food and not to like go down a rabbit hole of another avenue but that constant grazing and nibbling all day long that you're talking about uh also has some it not, it's not real great. It doesn't work well in our favor when our body never gets a break from digesting food. Because when we get a break from digesting, our body can work on cellular repair and other things when it can just chill out when you're not constantly feeding it all day long. Um, it can work on, you know, cleaning up cells. Um, it can, like, very powerful if your, you know, immune system is down a little bit. Because if, if your body's digestive system is ramped up, um, your immune system is depressed a little bit. So, um, I guess, needless to say, try to, yeah, more a little bit more structured in our meals and not just constantly, mindlessly feeding all day long. Yeah, and people, I mean, you can eat, if you have a snack, like, a couple hours before bed, you're probably okay. But if you eat a lot... And right before bed, a lot of times it screws up your sleep cycle so you don't sleep as well either because your body's trying to digest while you're trying to sleep. So it's prioritizing digestion over getting in your REM cycles. Yes. And and on that same token, not to contradict what you just said, that's not my intention here. But also, I think sometimes people get in this mindset like, oh, I heard once I can't eat before bed. Like This is not intended that you can't ever have a snack. Like If you're hungry at 8 o'clock at night, have the snack. We're just saying like, don't go eat this big old plate of food at eight o'clock and go to bed at eight 30. Like not mm -hmm. a great idea. But if you eat dinner early in the day, five, five 30, like for myself, like I typically, um, do eat an earlier dinner. Like I, and if I don't go to bed until nine, like I usually get pretty hungry again by like seven 30, eight o'clock. And I just will have a little something. Um, cause going to bed, on an empty stomach and being hungry is also not what I'm trying to promote here either. So, right. and people should differentiate between nighttime. I want to have a snack because I'm accustomed to it and I have a craving versus I'm actually hungry. <laughs> like if you're hungry, yeah, eat. If you're just craving something, a lot of times you wait 10 minutes and then the craving's oh, gone. Yeah. Go grab some water. Yeah. Or chew yeah. gum. Like I said earlier. <laughs> That just kind of works for me, but okay. What are your best tips for planning ahead to help keep people on track? So I'm a big fan and proponent of meal planning. Now I don't mean meal planning. I'll, I'll kind of define what I mean by this. There's, you, it doesn't mean you have to lay out exactly a perfect menu for every single day of the week as you go about, but at least have a general sense. Like I can tell you what I'm having for dinner tomorrow night. Like I at least plan two or three days out so that I have that food in my house. So the big advantage here is if you have the food in your house and you've set forth somewhat of a plan, you are way less likely to steer off of that. So for example, like if you bought all of the stuff to make a 
chicken stir fry, right? Um, for dinner, you have all the veggies in your fridge. The chicken is thawed out in your refrigerator. Like who wants to waste food? It's insanely expensive these days. So you're not going to waste it. You're most likely going to eat it. However, on the flip side, if you have zero plan, like if I had, if you asked me what I was having for dinner tonight, and I have no idea, it's one o'clock and I work tonight until 630. What's going to happen? I'm probably going to reach for convenience because I don't have a plan. So I already know what is for dinner. I already have the vegetables like chopped up in a bowl in my refrigerator. The meat is thawing. Um, so when I get home, it's very easy for me to just cook that quick and I don't have to think about it. So I'm a huge plan, plan, or fan of planning. It doesn't need to be, it depends on your lifestyle, right? Your lifestyle is different than mine, which is different than another person who's working out of the house from eight to five every day. But you need to find something that works for you and come up with a plan, at least for the majority of your meals, um, so that you have the food in your house and maybe you even have it semi-prepped. Yeah, I when I used to work in the clinics with Bob and Brad Moore, I would meal prep Monday through Friday lunches. So I always had those cooked on Sunday. So all I did was heat it up at work because yeah. I didn't have a long lunch. Now, you know, I'll cook something. I usually cook a meal. I make sure I have enough for like anywhere from two to four days afterwards because yeah. I'm not super ambitious to cook all the time. <laughs> and I have no problem reheating food. So, I mean, that's what I do. So it's kind of like a meal prep strategy. And I always make sure I have enough food that I would constantly eat supplied in the house. Yes. That's healthy. So if like I'm running low but not out and I go to the store on the weekend, like I know just to restock and constantly keep stuff there. Because, yeah, in the past, you know, fine. my girlfriend doesn't meal prep very much and she's kind of, I want to go get Culver's for dinner tonight. She just goes and yeah, does yeah. But yeah, I'm a pre- I'm a preparer. Prepper. I, that's what I have found to be the most successful tool for myself, but also like individuals that I work with. Um, uh, I actually give them meal plans because it's just people are more successful when you just, here's your structure, here's your layout. If it's helpful, like in your, I don't necessarily do it exactly like this, but if it's helpful for people, like literally print out a weekly calendar, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, however you want to do it and write it out. And then Make your grocery list or people probably do that on their phone now. I, I write stuff still, but what, whatever. There's probably an app for that. I don't know. Um, but really sit and think about it. And then because I I don't fall into this anymore because I'm pretty good at like planning and, and sticking to it. But when I used to not do that and I didn't plan for something. And then if my husband who wanted to try to sabotage us would bring up like, ooh, pizza sounds kind of good. Well, if I didn't have anything planned, oh yeah, you're right. Pizza does sound good. However, now if he said that, like, no, I already have this, like already ready to go. So we're not going to do that. Um, So I think planning is powerful when it comes to food. Now on that same note, because we've been talking a lot about food. um, I also think planning um, to keep you on track also can fall into your workout life. So I like to suggest to people that are having a hard time staying in a consistent workout routine, like literally write your workouts on your calendar or in your phone or wherever you keep your calendar, write it in there. Like you would a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or whatever appointment that you prioritize. 
because um, in my opinion, it's it's just as important. However, we think of it as like, well, this is something we can do anytime. But if we would actually schedule the time, your likelihood of sticking to something is much higher. Yeah, you should figure out what works with your schedule. If it's morning or evening, or if you have a flexible schedule, you know, you can go midday. But planning out your routine ahead of time. So like I know depending upon what I'm doing, I make a realistic schedule too for how much time I have. So if someone's super busy and you can only get to the gym two days a week, that's fine. But make sure you go those two days. If you could do more days and you want to, go ahead. But don't try to do, I'm going to work out seven days a week, but I only really have time for three. And then right. you just quit all together because you get frustrated. 100%. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's hard to give like specific, specific excuse me, guidelines when it comes to that because everybody's life is so different. But I think it's important to sit down and really sit and reflect and think, when when am I going to do this? And schedule it just like you would anything else. Whether you, you know, have a gym where you can take a group fitness class and there's a scheduled time you can go, write that in. Even if you don't and you're going to a gym where you're working out on your own. And like for you, if you have a flexible schedule, you probably don't need this kind of motivation because you're self-motivated. But if you weren't and say you were trying to start a workout routine, but you have a flexible schedule, people like you can still fall into the rut of procrastinating, procrastinating because you think I have all day. I can do it whenever. But really, someone like you could benefit from like, nope, on Monday, my workout is going to be from 2 to 2.45. Like, write it in there, I think, is super powerful. I'm, I'm self-motivated to work out because I love it. But I still look at my calendar each week, and I actually literally write in um, the time I'm going to do it so that I don't get caught up in some task I'm working on and deprioritize it. Yeah, and people should figure out to, to stick to a routine if you're not motivated, some people get motivated by doing like home follow along workouts and they like that and it motivates them because there's someone there. Some people do better with a gym class or partner. Some people just like going to the gym because if they're seeing other people work out hard, <laughs> they want to start working out hard. So right. I guess figure out what motivates you 100%. and stick to that. I mean, you could go outside too. You don't have to go to the gym, but right. you could join a running group, I guess, or something. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start talking about water intake, as you mentioned in the beginning, one of your tips. So you mentioned it's important to stay hydrated. How much water and other beverages should someone consume in a day? Um. Yeah. So with staying hydrated, this is, as with anything in the nutrition world. I mean, there's no black or white answers. It doesn't feel like, um, I feel like I can't just give a simple, like, here it is. Like you'll hear the old say, and this has been around forever, eight, eight ounce glasses a day. Um, I, I think that's way too generalized because I do think it's dependent upon body size for sure. Um, and it also depends upon a lot of other factors besides just your weight, but also your activity level the climate that you live in, um, how much you sweat each day, um, all sorts of things will impact it. But as a general rule of thumb, if you're like, I just want some kind of number, I really like going by the um, calculation of about half of your body weight in ounces, give or take, plus or minus, as a minimum. So if you were a 120-pound female, about 60 ounces, like bare minimum that, and I'm talking, that's like, if you're not sweating and doing a lot of activity during your day, I err on the side of like almost an ounce for every 
pound of my body weight because I'm pretty active. Um, I use thirst as a good indicator. If I'm thirsty, I drink. Um, so it's hard to give numbers, I think, in my opinion, when it comes to this conversation, unless you have something else to add there. But because there's just so many factors that will that it will depend on. But if you're an individual, believe it or not, Mike, I meet people that literally don't drink water other than they get water in the form of crappy beverages. So they're still alive and functioning somehow. But there's some people that like are hard pressed to drink more than like a glass of water a day. If you are an individual like that, starting with the eight, eight ounce glasses of water per day is an amazing feat for you. Somebody like you, Mike, you probably would keel over if you only drink that much. I don't know. You know, everybody's so different. I'm like a toddler. I carry a water bottle around with me all the time. I'm kind of weird. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I do too. I'm actually kind of panicky right now because mine is not within reach. <laughs> I forgot it before we started and I don't. I, I would like to mention that drinking water, you will do it for me. I will drink way more water if it's cold. So for me, having an insulated bottle, I don't care what brand it is, really helps. Like that has been a game changer. See, and I like mine like room temperature. I have a yeah. spout of RO water at home. So it's just, it's it's not warm or anything, but it's just kind of room temperature or slightly colder than that. And I think because I'm so used to that, I actually don't like, I'll drink cold water, but I drink more of it that temperature than cold. So I, but yeah, you have to find what makes it palatable to you too. Um, if you have to throw a slice of lemon in there, throw a slice of lemon in there. Yeah. And I've known people that will, you know, for them getting rid of normal pop or super sugary beverages and just going to the, you know, no calorie powder thing to your water. It's fine. It's still going to hydrate you. It's like not going to kill you. You'll something. still get water. You could drink LaCroix too, or sparkling water or whatever yeah. you want, but just, doing that and we should mention even though we're both coffee drinkers that coffee technically dehydrates you because it has caffeine in it i had that written down in my notes i didn't even want to talk about it because i love my coffee but yes know that that does not count towards your um your water intake i actually usually will tell people if you drink like whatever however many ounces of coffee drink that much water plus an extra glass to get you back to baseline so yeah but um, All right. Yeah, I think I, we covered everything on there. Hopefully that's at least a little helpful. Just start somewhere. Um, don't go from drinking like one glass of water to like half of your body weight in ounces the next day. Like maybe ease yourself into it. Set some small goals for yourself. Yeah, you're going to have to be going to the bathroom all the time if you do Perhaps. that. Yeah. So what about mindset and making changes? What's important with that? So... I, what I like people to do, I actually do this a lot with people starting out like a new exercise routine or changing their diet is so setting your mind around why you want to do it in the first place. So the reason being is there's a lot of stuff that's going to pop up that is going to want to derail you. So maybe you decided to start a new exercise program and the class is at six in the morning. Well, one thing that's going to want to derail you that time of day is your snooze button. So 
Um, or maybe you decided to start a new, maybe you decided to start the keto diet, but then you go out with friends and that slice of pizza is looking really good. You need to have sat down before you start something and really dig into why. Why do I want to change? I think that's a really important mindset to have on those days when our self-control and willpower is really low. We can go back to like physically remembering like what we wrote down. Why do we want to change? So for example, um, I'll use myself. Um, I love to travel but anytime I travel to new places, the first thing I'm Googling is like the best hiking trail. Like I love hiking. That is my form of vacation and traveling. I want to find the best, the best hiking trail and do that. So for me, it's super important that I stay fit and active and healthy so that whenever I travel somewhere, I don't need to like be concerned about the difficulty level of the trail because I know I have the baseline fitness because I take care of myself. I don't want to have to think, am I able to do that? I can just travel somewhere and know like, hey, I can do that because because I train, because I choose to work out. So therefore, my priority level or I put exercise as a very high priority level so that I can go and do cool stuff like that when I do travel. Um, I also, another great motivator and why is, um, kids. So I, I have one kid and I am not exhausted at the end of the day. Like he, he's a lot to keep up with, but I get down on the ground and I can crawl around with him. That's a great motivator to me. Um, I find myself doing that and know that I wouldn't want to do it any other way. I don't want to be a passive parent sitting on the couch watching. I want to be able to get down there and, play with my kids. So that can be another why for people. Um, those are just examples to, you know, for you to understand, but I really encourage everybody to really like sit down and not everybody likes to get into the whole mindset thing, but I do find it to be very powerful, um, figuring out why, why do you want to be healthier? We all have different reasons. Yeah. Everyone has their own rationale. I mean, I don't eat a ketogenic diet because I think it's cool and trendy. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you're kind of in your own little weird space. I just do it because I am, I get way more stuff done during the day. My mental clarity is just way better in my digestion. And I know if I eat something not in that realm, I don't feel as perky. I don't get as much stuff done. I'm not as energized. So yeah. for me, it's just like, sure, I can have this. I'll have five minutes of oral pleasure from eating right. a cupcake or something. But then I'm going to be pretty much shot the rest of the night. Right. And then the next morning, I'm not going to feel good for a while until I work out. And then my body will start functioning a little more normal again. And it's just this, for me, it's this whole cycle of that. And yeah, I mean, that's why I work out too. I get, if I take a day off from working out or being active, which I do sometimes, I'm normally tired sooner. Yeah. Or more yeah. lethargic. If I work out or do something active, I, I have more energy. So for me, it's all just how I feel. It makes me feel a lot better. Just your day to day, like just how I yeah, so you you looking at that versus that instant gratification of this tastes good because I'm sure there's a lot of foods you do believe taste good that you just choose not to eat because you're you just feel better. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I always I used to not have that mindset, but then you know when you start a ketogenic diet and then you go off it, you're just like, oh, <laughs> right. I, any diet. I should say any diet. It doesn't have yes. to be that. Yes. but in general. Yeah, yeah like for you. you you will notice how like much better you feel and how much worse you feel with certain foods i should say or more or lack of exercise right 
right? Yeah. Oh. So big thing is everybody's why is different. Um, but it's important to sit and think about it and not just say like, I need to exercise and start eating better. Well, why? Yeah. Like, why do you need to do that? Why do you want to that? It can be as simple as your answer of like, I just feel better. And I would, well, I would 100% agree with that. Um, and then you, and you probably, if you sat down, you probably even have more deeper values than that of like why you want to feel good on a day-to-day basis, some more long-term kind of goals or whatever. So, um, knowing that is, is powerful. So, yeah, I would say too, what motivated me a long time ago is like the last decade when I worked with Bob and Brad in clinics, we did a lot of uh, senior living facilities primarily. And you could tell the older people who took care of themselves and who didn't and their quality of life as they aged. That was like a big eye opener. And you're like, Oh, like I, I don't mean anything mean about those people. No, I'm like, no. I don't want to end up like this. Like right, I want to be right. like this 99 year old guy who just comes in and sees us for some neck pain and he's still driving and lives at home. And I'm like, I like this guy. What does he do? <laughs> it's intriguing. It makes you see, I find that to be insanely motivating is looking at, Later in life, I, I saw a stat um, at one point of like the it was under like life expectancy stats, but then it talked about um, like functional life expectancy being like 64 or something like that, meaning yeah. like that's like the average like functional life expectancy in the U.S. of like beyond that, like your functions like gone. So, like, what's the point of living until you're 80 if your function is, like, not yeah, there? When you don't enjoy it. So that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, that's another motivator of just wanting to be able to do all the things that I do now. I want to still be doing the same things activity-wise now as, like, when I'm 75. So, to me, that's another. Yeah, I think, too, if you find an external motivator that can help, like, someone. I, I, I like to look at older people, not picking on anyone my dad is gonna be my dad is 69 mm-hmm. and he still can cross-country ski he could still run he still does resistance training obviously he can't do what he used to do when he was younger uh, and he's a lot smaller than me in general but like his quality of life compared to some of his siblings who aren't as active i can really tell right so it's like a practical example in your life of people you yeah. see and that that's a motivator in and of itself yeah yeah, so that yeah. can work for some people, but yep. Okay, Dad, if you're listening, that's for you. <laughs> I don't think he listens to these. Anyway, uh, next question for someone who's new and wanting to better themselves through diet and nutrition, what would be your best advice? Um, so my best advice is don't try to change everything all at once. Like don't listen to this podcast and be all sparked up and excited or some other thing you listened to or heard or read. Uh, don't try to change it all at once. Pick something, pick one thing, um, and then change that. Sit on that for a while, make it become a habit and add in the next thing. Think of what you can accomplish in a year. Um, if you would just add like one little new small habit, like every month or every other month, you could be a whole new person by the end of the year. What I really caution people against is starting a new exercise program, um, aiming towards 10,000 steps a day, uh, starting a new diet regimen, 
um, going from four hours of sleep to nine hours of sleep, um, starting a yoga meditation program, um, deciding that they're going to read a book every single day. Like let's, let's, you know, the list goes on and on. Try to just choose one thing, um, get that down, make it a habit and then, and then add on. I don't know if, you know, everybody's different. Like I have some people that are like, I'm, I'm all or nothing. I'm going all in or I'm all out. Um, but, but I would say the majority of people um, just don't work that way. And when you take everything away all at once, we can get real burnt out in a real quick hurry. Yeah. Slow, consistent changes over longer time is going to have more long-term sustainability than yeah. all at once. For for most people, not saying it can't be done. Right. Absolutely. But for me, like progressively changing my diet from the age of like seven, like 16. So I was pretty much overweight till I was 16. Okay. And then from like 16 to now I'm 35. Like it has evolved progressively over like five year spans. Like it wasn't like, Oh, I just went straight to this. Right. It was like experimentation and exercise. I'd always been active, but that kind of was, you know, slowly progressive. I didn't do it all in one year. So, I mean, if people want to do something new this year, you know, maybe pick one thing for January. Yeah. And then if it's fine and you feel in control, add something new and still do that in February. Agreed. And you can try that. And if it doesn't seem sustainable, you know, back off of something. You don't want to start and go back to your old habits. Right. Because that's what happens to a lot of people is they just, they can't do it all. So they quit. Yes. And they yeah, get very that's all or, all or nothing mentality, which is just, yeah, that's, nah, it's not an effective long-term strategy for sure. No, that's why a lot of crash diets don't work either long-term. If you look right. at the rebound gain, if you look at the rebound of weight gain on the biggest loser show, it's ridiculous. Oh, really? Yeah, they're terrible. There's a study done on a lot of old contestants. Most of them gained it all back. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's surprise, it's so extreme. Yeah. And it's motivated by money. Right. And then they lose that external motivation to money. So now it's, I think, yeah, they win money, don't they? Yeah. 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 That, that there. Yeah. So that there's, there's studies on this. We're not making it up. Right. Right. All right. Are there any other last tips or tricks for someone who wants to start off 2023 being their best and healthiest? Yeah. So um, a couple maybe things to just reiterate or to touch on. Um, so one one thing to start with, a lot of times when we think of making new healthy changes, our mind first goes to nutrition and exercise. At least that's my experience. When I talk to people like, what do you want to do? What do you want to change? It's diet and exercise first. But I think what we need to also understand, um, we need to remember basic things too, like rest, sleep, and stress as well. Um, the reason I bring this up is because we can have the absolute best killer workout routine and plan, best diet in place, but then we could be sleeping for four hours a night, never taking a rest day, and you are not going to get anywhere with that kind of with that kind of grind. So I think it's super important that people also prioritize that in life. Prioritize your rest days. Prioritize getting enough sleep. Like Honestly, if it comes to like, I'm either going to get five hours of sleep a night or I'm going to get to that 5 a.m. workout, like you should probably get the extra sleep. We we underestimate how important it is um, and how much we need that um, in our life. So maybe set some goals this new year to also 
get more sleep, reduce your stress levels, things of that nature, rather than just what's my next best workout routine or diet that I can try. Um, so that would be one extra tip I would add on that I didn't touch a lot on. Um, if you live with somebody else, maybe you have a spouse at home, a partner, if you live alone, maybe this is not as applicable to you. If you live alone, then you're your own worst enemy. But if you live with somebody, try to get them on board if you can with your changes. So it wouldn't do me a whole lot of good, for example, to um, go on a new diet regimen um, if my husband wanted to still eat ice cream and pizza because that's he's going to sabotage me away from it. So if you can try to get your spouse or partner on board because two is better than one and trying to make change and you guys can build each other up rather than tear each other down. Um, what else? Expect failure. When you try to change things, like it's part of the journey. Very rarely uh, do you start something new and it's just this perfect um, trend in the right direction. Expect to fail um, and just jump back on that. Too many times people see failure as well. I guess I'm done now. Um, but instead, like, say you decided you were going to do the keto diet. I'm giving that example only because you do that, Mike. But um, and then, you know, you went out with friends and had some drinks and um, ate something you shouldn't. And you're like, well, screw that. I guess I'm not doing the keto diet anymore. How about instead you just jump back on the next day or one bad meal shouldn't ruin your entire day. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of people. So just be patient with yourself um, and just know that failure is absolutely part of the journey. You're going to experience it for the rest of your life. So just be okay with that and be okay with just getting back on track at the next meal, the next day, whatever you're working towards is your goal. Um, and what else? I don't know. I guess just to wrap things up, remember there's a lot of aspects of health. Um, it's, it, it's fitness, it's moving your body. Um, it's eating good, clean foods to fuel ourselves, to feel our best, getting proper rest, doing things that fill your cup, bring you joy, keep your stress levels low. It's all aspects really to keep us at our most optimal, healthy selves. Right. I would like to add, uh, we just made a short video, Annie and I did another coworker on, um, sleeping mm -hmm. and we actually had a study that said it's from 2010 i can link it down below i can't remember the name off the top of my head it's from the university of chicago or something okay but they had two groups of people and they were both put on a caloric deficit diet so they ate the same amount of food okay they had the same amount of activity everything was the same and the only thing they did when one group they made the people sleep like eight and a half hours mm -hmm. and the other group slept five and a half hours okay and they tracked them for a while and the weight loss in both groups was identical because okay. the calories and amount of motion was or movement was the same. But the people that slept more, the amount of fat that they actually lost was 55% more than the group Whoa. that only got five and a half hours of sleep. So the group that got less sleep, they lost weight, but they also lost more muscle. Where the other group retained more of their muscle mass when losing weight and lost more body fat, which is typically what you want because people have to realize Weight loss and fat loss correlate, but they're not the same thing. So right. oh, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Sleep is uh, very important. It can have good effects on you. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good one to, to send this home with. Um, and a big point I wanted to get across and message with this is it's more than just diet and exercise. Like it's also what we do in the other hours of our day. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
All right. Well, anything else? I think I said everything I want to say today. Okay, good. Well, thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you for having me.